0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 82 of the MDG Mythic Cast, the mythicist podcast in all of Mythic Carolina, with a special <laughs> focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts, I'm Mythcaster Rappel, and with me as always is Collins Mythin. Collins, <laughs> Mr. Mythin, how are you today? Oh no, um, I'm good. Uh <laughs> A little better now, even, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. It feels good, right? Like, clearly, that's the why they do it. it, it uh, you tell me. I don't know. I haven't it, really m- missed it out quite yet. It feels good. Okay. Um, oh, boy. Oh, yeah. It's You know, I'm, I'm sure people will figure out where that segue is going pretty quickly. But uh, I mean, honestly, let's just barrel on into it. Like, I don't really want to take time for the Keeper Mole and stuff today. I kind of just want to talk about these announcements, because usually we record... And then, like, 15 minutes after we're done recording, they make yeah. a big announcement. Yeah, but this time we we did it right. We, we haven't recorded quite yet, and it feels like earlier today was what happened. So Yeah, yeah. So, uh, of course, we're talking about the big organized play announcement, where basically they, instead of us not having PPTQs and not having anything, they said, all right, here's what you get. So now we know how to qualify for the Pro Tour again, which yep. is, of course, actually Mythic Championships now. Right. And so I guess what we should do is just go over the basic black letter of the announcement, then sort of give our interpretations of how that's going to work and how it's going to affect us, and yeah. then our, our feedback about how that feels. Yeah. Um, so I went ahead and I took their announcement and I sort of translated it as best I could. Perfect. I didn't find it to be super well organized, so I tried to... <laughs> We're gonna do our best Break to help translate for the listeners. Yeah, it, yeah. it was really weird because they started with the world championship at the very top of the page, right? Which is just not <laughs> relevant to the like what people actually, right? I get it's the lead because it's the big, but they don't even know what the prizing is or anything, so it was super weird. But so. Now we know how to qualify for the Mythic Championships. Yes. They broke it down and showed us that there are going to be 7 Mythic Championships this year. So yep. we've got our 4 basically paper pro tours and then there's 3 arena Mythic Championships. The paper pro tours function or the paper Mythic Championships function really similarly to the you know last year's pro tours. There's 4 of them, you know, it's it's in paper. There's constructed rounds, there's two drafts, one on each day. It, it, it's, it's, you know, we knew that that was going to pretty much be the yep. same. We didn't know what exactly the Arena Mythic Championships were going to look like. But we've got three of them this year, and they're pretty different from what we've seen before. So they are much smaller in player size. There are only 52 people invited to each of the Arena Mythic Championships, and they actually have a $750,000 prize purse split between 52 people. Sounds like a pretty high equity event. Yeah. Uh, so the, and the people that are qualified for that, the, the paper ones have a total prize purse of $500,000, which is technically twice as much as what last year's Pro Tours were. But because there are no travel awards, it probably ends up being very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, But so, yeah, this, the equity of splitting an extra $250,000 and you have maybe, you know, 10 or 15% of the total number of players means that, yeah, getting into one of these tournaments is really what you want to do. Yes. So how do you qualify? Well, so for these arena mythic championships, there are 52 people qualified. 32 of those are the people in the MPL becoming part of the MPL if that that was a wise decision on the part of everybody who made it <laughs> good job that everybody yeah just real good thinking um yeah. cuz that's you know like each of those arena tournaments is like like $15,000 in EV or something like that yeah. so that's just yeah really really good so the arena MCs are going to be mostly those players cuz 32 out of 52 are those players then it's the top 4 non non magic pro league players from the last arena mythic championship and for the first one of them it, the, those four p- slots are going to get filled by andrew Bogan. the winners of the last yeah. two pro tours yeah so it, yeah. yeah so th- those slots are going to get filled by the winners of the last two pro tours which are andrew Bogan and then the team that won yeah. the team pro tour um and then there are going to be 16 arena qualifiers and the way this works is During the season that they say this is the relevant month for this arena Mythic Championship, the top 1,000 Mythic, if you hit top 1,000 Mythic in Constructed or Limited, and it's not clear if you have to have that spot at the end of the month or if you just hit that at any time in the month, um, I assume that they'll clarify at some point. I also assume, I think it's reasonable to assume right now that you have to end up there at the end of the month. I think so. It doesn't really make any sense otherwise. Yeah, but... So top 1000 mythic in constructed or limited so that 2000 players uh, yep. we assume <laughs> and then you get a token that allows you the qualifying weekend to play in an event on Saturday that's sounds pretty similar to the events that exist on arena in that there's a max number of wins and a max number of losses and if you hit either of those maxes you're done with your event and all the players that hit max wins qualify for the Sunday part of the qualifier, which is... Day two, effectively. Day two, yeah. Yeah. And that one is a Swiss tournament where the top 16 finishers in that tournament qualify for the Mythic Championship. Right. So it's a pure arena, sit-in-your-underwear-at-home sort of qualifier thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They have said that Sunday is not best of one, but they have not said that it's best of three. So it might be that standard duo... Yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that mm-hmm. they've kind of demonstrated recently that they're willing to do some interesting things with the format structure yeah. so it'll be interesting to see what they can come up with I guess there yeah and I mean I, I'm not like I guess we'll get to the analysis part in a little bit sure but just yeah. off the cuff like I'm not totally against them experimenting some to make it an accessible format and especially if it helps watchability on arena or anything like that mm-hmm. um but man i I really do like sideboarding. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's news that I mean that's that's how arena works. Kind of the really big news that we were waiting for though is how are we doing paper PTQs? Yeah. Because this is a new thing. It's nice to have this new arena thing, but we really were hurting because we were missing our PPTQs and we want to know what the replacement is. We've always had PTQs and not knowing was was kind of painful. Basically, we're going back to the old PTQ system, big yeah. PTQs. For example, the two first two paper pro tours of the season, qualifications are done for them. I think our PTQs are finished for the second uh, MC of the, the year. So I think those are all done. So the only things these matter for are the second half of the year, which is Barcelona and then Richmond towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. We've got a season of PTQs for Barcelona, which... They've said there are going to be 150 PTQs, so probably pretty large tournaments. Um, These are open tournaments. Anybody can play in them. For the second season, for Richmond, they're doing it a little bit differently. You have to have earned 200 Planeswalker points in a certain time period between April 1st and June 30th in order to be allowed to play in those PTQs. Um, So that's kind of interesting. Uh, Other qualification methods for the Pro Tour besides just those PTQs, um, we've still got top eighting in GP, qualifying via mocks or Magic Online PTQs, 11 wins at one of the uh, Mythic Championships, gets you to the next Mythic Championship. Yep. And what is really cool, got buried a little bit, but I'm kind of most excited to see this, is that uh, last chance qualifiers are coming back. So this is a thing that hasn't existed for years years right like actual ptqs for the mythic championship but it's at the mythic championship right yeah um which is cool because the mythic championships are at magic fest so at gp weekends people are going to be there anyways who aren't qualified for the uh for the mythic championship yeah yeah and it was always a cool storyline i remember reading like sideboard coverage the sideboard was, like, the official website where they, Wizards covered uh, events. But I remember reading sideboard coverage, and, you know, it was always really cool to see somebody who had, like, grinded in in an LCQ the day before the Pro Tour started yeah. p- doing well in the Pro Tour. So, right. so this is really cool. But, yeah, the Pro Player Club is pretty much disappearing. Uh, at the end of 2019, it, it's completely gone. Mm. The concept of Pro Points clearly is disappearing with that. Yep. There's some sort of, you, you. there's a mythic point system right. that you get only from the seven mythic championships. The only thing that it determines right now is worlds invites. And I don't want to talk too much about worlds, but it's a 16 person invitation tournament where the people invited are the last year's world champion. It's the seven winners of the mythic championships and then the top four mythic point earners within the MPL and then top 4 mythic point earners that are not in the MPL which kind of makes sense cuz there's no way somebody who's not automatically queued for all 7 of these could compete with somebody who's just playing in all 7. Yeah, I, that's a good choice by them I think for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. I mean, that that's the basic breakdown here is that we've got these arena qualifiers and then we're getting PTQs back. We are losing the pro point system. It's a lot you know, to just sort of, like, process and take yeah, in, yeah, but... Yeah, whole new system set up for us. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's a lot, right? And it it's kind of tough to really try to dive into all this after already making the decision to kind of ignore all of these things and focus only on the SDG Tour. Yeah. And I still will be pretty much focusing only on the SDG Tour, but, you know, it. I'm just happy that everybody knows what's going on now, right? <laughs> That's um, a big deal. That's a big deal, you know, and the announcements are like it's a lot of information and it's hard to digest. Um, but it sounds like most of these changes are good mm-hmm. and kind of forward thinking, right? They're trying to kind of create this new structure yep. from the ground up and really doing a lot to get rid of the old structure, which uh which I like. Um I think that people are often like afraid of that kind of shift. Mm -hmm. in like these big things but the system's always going to be changing and I think it's better to like have these shifts every you know every like 10 years or so right it doesn't have to be like and it shouldn't be very often but Mm -hmm. um stuff like this is necessary in my mind yeah that I'm happy about in terms of like all the specifics and stuff I'm definitely going to have to digest more of that um and really see kind of like how that affects me and how that affects, you know, the players that I'm close to, who I know that are grinding towards these things. Mm-hmm. I know several people who are, you know, currently in the top eight of the Mythic ladder grind for yeah. the Mythic Chim- Championship. Zan has been in my apartment for the past, like, two <laughs> weeks. <laughs> and he set up his big computer and he's grinding for it. Uh, so the, all that stuff has been interesting to watch. Um, so it's also good to hear that there's going to be a better structure to the arena qualifying for things. Yeah. That's not just... Top eight mythic pl- players get to go because this tournament structure, while kind of foreign to us, at least it's a tournament structure. Yes. At least it's not just like you have a month grind, go for it. I hope you end up in the top eight of the thing, and we'll email mm-hmm. you to let you know if you are. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so so when I when I heard about that, I was pretty relieved that you know there was like going to be a real tournament, and I've heard I've already heard mixed reviews on. People's ideas of that tournament and people's expectations of that tournament. Somebody told me that they were concerned because you'd have to, like, top 16, the biggest Grand Prix of all time or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think they might have been overestimating how many people would be in these things. I mean, that's probably not It's at least 2,000. Right. Um, But it's also, doesn't it pull from, like, multiple months? So it could end up being like 4,000 people. I'm not entirely sure. I think it, it sounded to me like there was going to be a specific qualifying season and it was going to pull the top 1,000 from that. Like they'd yeah. say, this is the month for it. This right. is the month where, where ladder matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Top 1,000 for both limited and constructed. Limited mode. and constructed, right. yeah. So yeah. you can focus on what you... I, I like that. I'm yeah. really glad yeah, that yeah. you get to focus on what you, what you enjoy playing. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Right. I just really wish that... They would do traditional drafts on arena as playing drafting with other people. but th- yes. I think that's my that's gonna be my biggest complaint with arena until they fix it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I agree. and it it does also kind of bug me that, that right now. and I don't know if they've announced plans to change this, but ranked draft is all best of one. I one of the things I really like in limited is adjusting my deck. Between games, so. it's it's extraordinarily important. The yeah. best, you know, the best sealed players I know are always uh, like completely reconfiguring their deck uh, post board, you know, in 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 that kind of match. Yeah. Um. And those concepts can still definitely apply to uh, to draft and everything. So yeah. So hopefully that that changes too. Right. But you, you know, like we're still <laughs> arena is still technically a beta right now. True. So. True. Um. And yeah. that that's one thing that I like about you know. Because there are not TOs and stores and stuff invested into these arena qualifiers, mm-hmm. they can take feedback and they can make changes hopefully pretty quickly. You know, they they run one or two seasons of this and then they see this isn't working, let's do this differently. And they should be able to change that relatively quickly without upsetting too many people's like investments of time or preparation or anything like that. So yeah. So I I think even if this isn't quite perfect, it's showing number one that they have a, have listened to the feedback about the like top eight yeah, thing, yeah, and they're not doing that, and I think that's excellent. Yeah. so I'm completely okay with this arena qualifier thing. I, I kind of wish it qualified more people. I, I like don't more know. than sixteen. Yeah, I sure. mean. You know, I feel like there's room to put a but couple But it qualifies more. for, like, what, a 52-person event or whatever? Right. So, you know, we can't really afford to have a lot of slots unless we're making that tournament larger, which I don't know if it's something that they're going to want. Right. I just I just feel like we could afford to make that tournament a little bit larger. Sure. Okay. Yeah, That's. I mean, that's reasonable. And one of the reasons for that is because, you know, like, the smaller that tournament is, the better being in the MPL is, kind of. True. And... I do feel like one of the things that this announcement really hammered home is just how good being in the MPL is and how massive of a gap there is between the people who made it and the people who did not. And I'm not saying this as somebody who was like, oh, man, (laughs) I I really wish that I had spent that last year. really wish I had known so I could have (laughs) grinded to the top of the platinum pros. (laughs) Like, Like, obviously, that's not relevant to me. But yeah. To a very large population of magic grinders who were, you know, gold pros or silver pros or were just working their way into the pro system, playing like a pro tour or two each year or something like that. Yeah. You know, the benefits are not there for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's definitely a an important point. Um, you know, and we are seeing how. How big that discrepancy is. Mm-hmm. But I think that's only as jarring as it is because we're transitioning from, you know, everybody got a little bit of something yep. into top 32 or else. And that's very jarring. But I think that if that becomes the norm, we're going to be able to look at the system like five years from now after it's kind of developed a little bit and be like, okay, it makes sense that we really, really, really want to reward these people mm-hmm. for doing this well and and give them the opportunity to make this their life. And this sounds like the most feasible, feasible way to do it kind of from a logistics standpoint um, from the like company side, right? Yeah, well, there needs to be... I, I think the creation of a goal mm-hmm. is really good. Yeah. The fact, you know, you could... Last year, you could look at the best players in the world and you could calculate their total salary they get from magic not in, you know from from tournament winnings and platinum pro benefits and stuff yeah and you look at it and you're like all right well the guys that are doing the best are making forty two thousand dollars <laughs> yeah like i could just go to work and right. do better than that right by a lot so having a goal that's like these guys are doing really well i yeah. mean that's living and... comfortably. Yeah. You know, that's the goal. Is that's the dream is that people want to be able to live comfortably through this system. Yeah. So, um, you know, and if that, there's only space for 32 players like that, then then that's that's what there's space for. Yeah. yeah. I think more than just that gap, like okay, well, the gold pros aren't making any money at all anymore. Mm-hmm. More than that gap, I think the thing that I would like to see changed the most is some method of staying qualified that the mm. pro club was before. Right. Um, and so maybe something similar to that, that doesn't necessarily have to have any monetary benefits, but the fact that basically you have to requalify for every single pro tour. If you're not in the MPL. Yeah. I'm interested in seeing how people are going to be able to approach it and be able to take the steps to, you know, replace somebody in the MPL, however that system works. Yeah. When it's so hard to stay qualified, uh, you have to get 11 wins in the pro tour or yeah. you're like back down at where in the, the milieu with everybody else. Yeah. Um, and even if you are, you know, then you're qualified for one more pro tour and then the pressure is on again. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And there's always been a pretty large pool of people who are actively pursuing the pro tour, mm-hmm. but are on the outside looking in. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there's always kind of been this, like, smaller group of people who were, like, you know, gold and silver, and they, like, were able to chain and be on the train or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it feels like we're eliminating that group. Yeah. And and they are also now part of the group that is on the outside looking in for most pro tours. Exactly. And the only people who aren't are these top 32 um, MPL players. Right. Yeah, and I, I think that's... The fact that that, that, like, subset of people who were, you know, like, gold or silver and just kind of, like, training a little bit and Mm -hmm. kind of getting there, I I think that we're definitely missing that right now, and particularly the people who were benefited from that are definitely missing that a lot right now. Sure. Um, But just kind of, like, looking forward, I think that that is going to kind of fade into Magic's history, Maybe. where we're just going to be like, yeah, you, people, like, referring to the Mythic Championships, everybody's on the outside looking in unless you're an MPL member. Mm-hmm. And that's just the norm. Everybody's going to have to really try hard to qualify for each indi- like each individual Mythic Championship. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little early to say whether or not that's, a, you know, a terrible change. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, the, I don't know. The, the big question for me is just, like, is there... Are we going to be missing a way of building like a bench of like future star magic players? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and that is kind of the one piece that's going to be difficult to figure out, and also a piece that I'm not sure that we know too much about right now, which mm-hmm. is like these MPL members. They get it for what a year, and then how do we determine the next MPL right. members? We don't know. We that have yet. no idea. Yep. Um, and that piece of the puzzle for, like, what Magic's future looks like is going to be really defining for me in terms of, um, you know, whether or not the system ends up being good in a long-term sense mm-hmm. or if it's going to be a temporary thing and they're going to change it all next year, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. So I, I want to have high hopes for that, like, whatever that system looks like looks good for that bench that you referred to of, like, the next generation magic pros Mm -hmm. because I know several people who in my mind more than qualify to be on that. Um, you know, uh, they're just like the up and comers, the people who I see are showing so much promise who Mm -hmm. haven't quite broken out into the notoriety that they deserve quite yet. But you know, those people exist and I want those people to have access to potentially becoming an MPL member three or four years from now. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, I know exactly what you mean. For sure. We, we got to create space for these people to thrive. Mm-hmm. We can't be watching the same 32 people play Magic 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah, that would be awful. It would be awful. right? You know, I mean, it, you know, we love some of them for sure. And we're going to want uh, some of them to stick around. Yeah, but, um, but there's got to be some churn. And, you know, the, the Pro Tour exists as a goal type of thing. The MPL yes. has to exist as a goal yeah. that that is, you know, maybe not really attainable but at least something that you can dream about <laughs> of course um yeah but i i do like you know the fact that worlds has four slots for non-mpl members mm-hmm. and the way you know the 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 arena mythic championships has slots for the top non-mpl finishers from from the last one like that's That's really good that they're already acknowledging we have to make specific space for non-MPL people because the MPL folks are so advantaged here. Yeah, Um, That's at least a good beginning acknowledgement, but I'm interested in seeing if... And I I think in one of the articles that dropped today, they said they'd be looking at uh, some sort of intermediate reward system kind of thing to reward consistent performance. Yeah. So... We'll we'll see what what pops out there, but I'll be interested in in that. One thing that I'm a little bit bummed about is that we're kind of going backwards to just regular PTQs. Mm-hmm. The, you know the the pre PPTQ era of PTQs, yeah. Um, which I know a lot of people miss. Uh, yeah. So so there's a lot of people that are just straight up happy at this announcement, mm-hmm. um, and I understand. Like PPTQs are not. The system was not the most fun thing in the world. You yeah. you would grind. If you spiked one, then you know maybe you were like locked out of local competitive tournaments for the next two months, depending on what your scene is like. It puts all the pressure onto one tournament where you have to have done all the preparation correctly. And if you miss, then you feel really bad because you don't get another shot until the next quarter. Yeah, I totally get it. I don't love the super top heavy nature of a PTQ in general where just the normal ptqs yeah Yeah. where you go to a tournament and by the end of ptqs you know most of the ptqs that i went to were multiple hundreds of people and the only prize was for first place right you know you got some cards if you didn't get first place (laughs) yeah Uh, but you spent your your whole saturday and if you didn't get first place you felt like dang it i didn't i didn't get it i didn't get there What I would really, really like to have seen is some sort of maintaining of kind of the PVTQ system, just in that if there were a points system that rewarded performance, and then somehow at the end of the year, those points translate into invites to tournaments or um, some sort of, you know you know, lower level version of like pro points where you could earn them from like lots of different stuff, or you could potentially earn them from like small qualifier tournaments in stores that would replace PPTQs. And then you could get more points by doing well in the full size PTQs. And you could get more points by doing well in a Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. And then you could feel like, okay, well, you know, I got, you know, 15th place in this tournament, but I got a couple of points. And so maybe that makes me want more to go to a tournament next weekend and pick up some more points so I can turn this into something. Um, you know, SCG Tour just does a great job of making you feel like you're accomplishing something. Every time you get like a top 16 in an event, it feels like, all right, great. Yeah. And then you can see your name kind of rise a little bit on their leaderboard mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like like this thing just already exists. So. I, I just feel like WotC should just copy it. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't, who knows? Um, and, and, you know, in some way that encourages play at local game shops would be really yeah. the ideal here. Yeah. Because this system, I'm not sure it does. The game shops that are able to host the big PTQs probably benefit. But I know that a lot of game stores, when the announcement that PPTQs were disappearing... A lot of game stores came out and said, hey, like, doing PvTQs is actually a pretty big deal for my store, and this is a big loss. So, uh, the, the, like, requirement of 200 Planeswalker points definitely will be encouraging people to play more at, tournaments locally especially because f&ms are getting like a two times multiplier now so there's a little more reason to go to those if you're specifically just trying to get the points so hopefully that encourages people to play at local game stores but you know this is all kind of wait and see yeah Um, i mean you know i don't i don't really have much to add on that one it's just like all right we'll we'll see how this works out kind of deal i mean i'm you know i'm definitely going to be taking road trips to go to ptqs at this point like i did it before and i'm gonna do it again so yeah. Uh, so having that back is kind of cool. And yeah, we'll just see how it goes. I'm, you know, consciously optimistic about this whole thing. Yeah, same. I, um, as far as Wizards announcements goes, uh, this one felt, some of the feedback to it felt pretty positive, mm-hmm. which I liked a lot. Yeah. you know, Yeah, we get a lot of half announcements. This was at least like a 90% announcement. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, for sure. Yeah. A lot of information to digest here. Right. Yeah, just a ton. You know, we're we're missing a little bit of information about some stuff, but it is really stuff that isn't super relevant this early, like mm-hmm. the format of the Sunday part of the Mythic Championship qualifiers or the, like, exact prize payout for worlds or things. You know, we don't know some things, yeah. but it's it's fine. It's, yeah. it's not stuff that I'm like, come on, please tell us. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Um, and then there was another decently large announcement recently. Yeah. Grand Prix coverage. Great. Wait, uh, this was... Yeah. The no Grand Prix coverage was getting pretty bad. Yeah. And and kind of, you know, very saddening. Yeah. <laughs> Just like constantly hearing about how everybody's really sad that there's no Grand Prix <laughs> coverage. So Channel Fireball stepped up to the plate and we're like, all right, we're going to facilitate Grand Prix coverage again. Yeah. Specifically video coverage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, soon you know grand prix la in a week and a half is going to have video coverage Mm -hmm. um and commentated by huey and lsv and marshall and riley so phenomenal great yeah yeah absolutely so yeah i mean you know not really much to say about that other than no it's just we're ecstatic that it's happening you know (laughs) uh yeah my my friend brian maybe who uh I've only lost two friends in top eights of PPTQs Excellent. this last season. Okay. So, you know, I lost to you in the finals. Yep. I lost to my friend Brian in the semifinals of another one. Yeah. Uh, so he top aided GP uh, New Jersey. Yeah. And I heard that he top aided, but I didn't get to, like, run to my computer and go watch his top eight draft. Like, I didn't get to look at any coverage, at go back and look at coverage of of my friend who Top band <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the one thing that had happened recently was uh, when so Jody when Jody won the Grand Prix, there was a lot of coverage that I saw through uh, social media stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I saw videos of Jody himself, like being himself and talking yeah. to the camera and yeah, stuff on Yeah, I saw Twitter. that too. That was fun. And that was phenomenal. Um, we had Jody on the most recent Team Lotus Box, uh, Lotus Boxers videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, he guest starred. Um, on that and they played his deck so uh, check that out if you haven't already yeah uh, but yeah outside of that you know not being able to watch any of those games is really I think detrimental to you know if if there aren't uh, is there if there isn't video coverage of these like you know pretty consistent high level uh, competitive tournaments mm-hmm. um, such as the Grand Prix like I remember when I was learning you know how to get better at magic, uh, my number one resource was always watching replays hmm. of Grand Prix coverage hmm. or Star City coverage, yeah. depending. Um, that was my number one, like, I want to learn how to get better. Let's watch these people who top aided this big tournament play against each other. Yeah. And that was always f- enormously helpful for my game. Um learning not only like what the decks were that were important, but also like how people played them is so important to getting better at magic. yeah and the fact that that didn't exist for like a time period was I think that was the biggest like detriment for me is like, okay, if this was going on while I was in that stage of like trying to learn how to play magic better, yeah. would I never have gotten? i I would just like,, well. you know, i I never would have had access to those resources, you know for for like, the current stuff that was sure. going on. So yep. yeah, I'm I'm happy that that's going to be back. Definitely. Yeah. GPs are in kind of a weird place right now. Yeah. Um just <clears throat> you know, they've been in an odd place for a while mm-hmm. where just like you don't th- the the prizes are pretty bad and the the pros had to play like a whole bunch of them in order to grind out just like a couple of points yeah. and a lot of the GPs they played in just wouldn't matter. Yeah. Um, and it even got to the point where I knew several people who like had capped out most mm-hmm. of their like potential, uh, like twelve threes or whatever. They had twelve threed, like the maximum number of just uh, really that could have ap- applied. Of course, so yeah. But, but then threes, they were only like, GPs in a year. It's yeah. Really but then covered. they were only like bottom level silver, and they were like, oh, the only way I can yep. ever improve is if I get a top eight right um to like <clears throat> increase one of my numbers like the system didn't feel very good no and and right to to hit pro tiers you really had to be doing well in pro tours mm-hmm. like that like the GPS were just like little tiebreaker things that I think made mid to high level grinders feel guilty for not going to because yeah. they left some number of points on the table but yeah. the the value in those points was actually quite low right. Um, now there are no points and I think so there's there's really no good reason for a lot of high level players to be going to these uh, okay. especially like MPL members like they're clearly supposed to be like streaming on these weekends and that sort of thing instead yeah. of going to right to Grand Prix. And I think that that was likely a conscious decision. Mm-hmm if we're really trying to support the MPL players as well as just like, you know, the general people who are on the Mythic Championship grind, yeah. having to go to every grand prix, it's w- not pretty thing. taxing yeah. for a lot of those players. So I am, you know, I, I could see that being an intentional decision of like okay, we're going to take away these like kind of menial benefits that you have to go for if you're really serious about this right. thing. Um but it's just not really that good of a right. Deal and like I I, I think I I definitely think it's good to take away those like low incentive but like like high kind cost. of yeah just that that you felt like you had to do I think taking that away is good I don't love the taking away the opportunity to like rub elbows with high level with with magic celebrities yeah you know, like yeah, yeah 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 GPs were a place where I would go play magic and Reed Duke was there mm-hmm. you know um, yeah and that having that not really be a thing and then that also takes away a little bit from the desirability of coverage. Um, I mean, there's certainly going to be a lot of really good players playing in Grand Prix because really good players go play in Magic tournaments yeah, all the time. of course. But I wonder what, you know, this is going to cost from that. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a good trade-off yeah. overall. And I, I don't think that Reed Duke is going to stop going to um, Grand Prix by any means. Probably you know not. what I mean? <laughs> right. So, you know, anyone that's reasonable for him to go to, I'm sure he's going to be there. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I suspect a, a decent number of those personalities are still going to be at these events that you yeah. can go and talk to and stuff. I just remember it was kind of cool. Like he just showed up at one of the European Grand Prix I was at because it was towards the end of the year and that the player of the year race was so tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's not really going to happen anymore, which right. is kind of too bad, but it may be a reasonable cost yeah. for, for what we're getting out of it. Absolutely. But yeah. So I think that covers we, most of my thoughts on all of the new announcement stuff. Yeah. I'm sure that we will come up with more <laughs> on it. More takes. Given time. Yeah. We've got a pro tour this weekend. That yes. is going to be Standard. Yep. I have not been playing very much Standard for the past like week and a half or so. I've been watching a lot of Standard. Okay. Uh, yeah, mostly just, you know, Zan playing <laughs> on his Mythic grind. So, you know, Standard is moving a little bit. The, like, hyper presence of mono blue has caused some decks that were not very good to become reasonably playable. Yep. And I'm thinking mostly of Rakdos decks like Jody's, mm-hmm. and also Gruul is getting some attention. Yes, absolutely. It it gets on board and doesn't really care that they're drawing some cards with Curious Obsession if I'm doing four or five a turn. Gruul is like the mid-range deck right now that really utilizes the strategy um, or the resource that I like the most, which is you could be dead soon. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just like it's... It feels like the format has really evolved into either you're a very dedicated aggro deck or tempo deck. Mm -hmm. Talking about mono white or mono blue. Yep. Or you're some mid range pile, mm-hmm. or you're a control deck, and are trying to go over the top of the mid range piles. Yeah. But the the control decks seem not great to me because they just don't effectively go over the top of the mid range piles right mm-hmm. now. And then also, like all of these mid range piles are getting like a little more and more degenerately grindy. You know, yeah, um, everything had to like if you, people learned that if you were going to be a mid range pile, you had to be able to go toe to toe with. Hydroid-Krasis-Fine-Finality combo, Just and that's really hard to do. That's really hard to do. Jody found a way to do it with uh, Red-Black, which mm-hmm. was really interesting. I've been watching Xan grind out Soltai consistently, um, mostly on the back of Rick's Matty Reveler, which is interesting. Um, closer to Bedlam Reveler than we anticipated. See, um, I in my early experiments with that and trying to make a mid-rangey deck sort of like that work, I found that I had more trouble. I, I found I was having more trouble triggering spectacle than I would have thought that I would have, uh-huh. and that Rixmati Reveler often uh, was tough to turn into a Bedlam Reveler in those decks. Yeah, I, I guess I guess that mm-hmm. problem has been solved a little bit. Well, it you have to work for it in okay. term, not in terms of really deck building, but in terms of the way that you play the games out. Gotcha. A lot of the lines that I've seen Jody take were like pretty unintuitive. That were all oriented towards maximizing your Rix Matty Revelers gotcha. in, in strange ways. I think that the reason that he specifically had so much success with that deck, to put it, things in perspective, he top-aided the the SCG Open mm-hmm. in Dallas. Uh, he made the finals of the PTQ on Friday at the Grand Prix, and then he won the Grand Prix. <laughs> it was a pretty good <laughs> run. Yeah, all with the same deck. Yep. Um, if you want to watch him play it, which might be a very unique experience, because we, there's been very little coverage of it outside of the SCG <laughs> right. Dallas. Um, you should definitely check out the YouTube video, Team Lotus Box. Definitely. Uh, he plays through a match with uh, Jeremy and Zan. And yeah, the lines that he was talking about were uh, pretty unintuitive, but worked out phenomenally well. And they just completely outgrinded a Sultai deck from what I remember. But um, another, uh, The other card besides Rick's Mighty Reveler that I think is really important in making these Rakdos and Gruel decks good is uh, that Rekindling Phoenix is just insane right now. Yes, yeah. Rekindling Phoenix. I've been blown away by. Also, a big piece that is important for um, the grind value, specifically against Fine Finality decks, mm-hmm. is Darkly Daredevil. Sure, because uh, that card just is Fine Finality. Yeah, um, and it, it kind of exclusive. Sometimes it's a removal spell. Right. But it's just Fine Finality, and you get back a Phoenix and a Siege Gang Commander. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's some value. That's <laughs> yeah, um, and, and the so. fact that Phoenix is so You know, presenting a Phoenix twice against Black Green is a big problem for Black Green. And also against, like, the mono-blue decks. Resolving a Phoenix tends to just If you can force through the Phoenix, you win the game, pretty much. But, you know, we don't want to spend too much time on Standard. Because we really do want to talk about Modern. Um, We've got Regionals coming up the weekend after the Pro Tour. We've got Magic Online. PTQs are are Modern right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so there's lots of stuff... Going on in Modern. I know you've got a really sweet deck to I share with Do we us. want to start off with that? or <laughs> I, I think I, I want to do a little bit of state of the format yeah. stuff. Catch first. us up on what's going on in the format. Yeah. Um, so I have a sort of 50 50, like super proud, super embarrassed thing going on right now where I'm ready. I, uh, I was trying to figure out what to play for the PTQ this past weekend. Yeah. And I. Started putting together Phoenix, and then two things. One was I I knew that there was a ton of Phoenix. So I knew that, number one, like other Phoenix decks were main decking surgical extraction, and other non-Phoenix decks were ready for Phoenix. So Mm -hmm. I didn't 100% want to be on that. And also... The cost of four Phoenixes and four scalding Tarns is above my mana traders limit because (laughs) Phoenix is 50 ticks right now. Yikes. Uh, And I I didn't really want to bother trading for Phoenixes in order to run it in a PTQ. And then, so I I started looking at other options and I don't think I would have ended up playing Phoenix anyways, but that sort of kicked me in the butt to play something else. And I... I thought that Dredge seemed really well positioned. So I played Dredge in the PTQ because it's quite good against Phoenix. It's especially yep. good against the burn versions of Phoenix, mm-hmm. uh, the mono red versions, because Creeping Chill is so busted in that matchup. Yeah, And so I played Dredge. I kind of played poorly uh, in at least one match, uh, died kind of early. My Dredges were a little bit medium for for at least one of my matches. I I need to get more reps in with the deck, though, is is one of my big takeaways. Playing Dredge is one of those decks where you're you're playing something other than Magic, and you kind of have to... Learn those rules yeah. a little bit better. I mean, one of my losses came from a most strictly bad Magic decision, which was I decided to attack with a Narqumiba when I should have blocked with it on my opponent's sure. turn. Yeah, um, and that has nothing to do with, with yeah, yeah, with that's dredging. fair. That's fair. So, so that's the like slightly embarrassing part. I did not do well. I did not play super well, mm-hmm. but I think my deck choice was very good because <laughs> that top eight was four dredge decks, and the top thirty-two had five more dredge decks in it. Was it uh, the numbers that I saw? That might not be completely accurate, but it looked like when I pulled up the goldfish. But yeah, just kinda of looking at the Swiss standings of the the modern premiere event. It was just it's just <laughs> number dredge. one, dredge, number three, dredge, number four, dredge, number <laughs> six. Through number six through what? Ten? Well, it's just that's mostly just because they list the decks oh, okay. all together. No, that's fair. Like that. That's fair. Yeah. Um but yeah, yeah, like just an insane amount of dredge in mm-hmm. the modern PTQ a huge increase over one day before in the Modern Challenge. Yeah. But people also take the PTQs more seriously. The, yeah. Like like people who are not just like constant moto, this is my hobby people, like like play in the PTQs. I, I, I think I have a couple of reasons for this. Number one, there's a lot of lava spikes in Modern mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Um, because of the printing of skewer the critics, yeah. etc. And yeah. and how it works with with Arclight Phoenix. So having being a Creeping Chill deck is quite good. Absolutely. Uh, also, because of Arclight Phoenix, yes, some people are playing Surgical Extractions main deck, mm. but also a lot of people are running Surgical Extractions as their primary graveyard hate, and Dredge is set up to beat a Surgical Extraction. That's yeah. That's not going to beat you in the way that Leyline or Rest in Peace or Nile Spellbomb is going to beat you if people are choosing Surgical over other Graveyard yep. Hates. And it's it's interesting how Creeping Chill specifically has completely changed that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Because pre-Creeping Chill, I would have told people that Surgical Extraction was the best Graveyard Hate against Dredge. Mm-hmm. Because if you, especially if you're a Snapcaster Mage deck, because if you can Surgical, Narcomoeba, and Bloodcast, it was just over. Mm-hmm. Uh, for dredge but now the burn plan is so realistic that you don't sometimes there's some matches where i play and i didn't need to have a single creature and they just died because i creeping chilled them like three times and conflagrated them twice and it was over and there's a goal to like now you have the all right i want to mill my entire deck this match yeah because that puts my opponent to eight minus their three fetch land damage (laughs) plus my conflagrate right and a game over yeah (laughs) right um, yeah, and, you know, Surgical now has too many different... There are too many angles yeah. that the Dredge deck is attacking on that are all attacking your life total in some way, but, you know... But Surgical, that's good. surgical isn't going to be... Oh, of course. Because they add together into one... No, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's still cohesive, yeah. but there's there's a lot of different angles that are hard to interact with yeah. on, on different access, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Dredge... And then also, I think another thing that happened was uh, the Burn decks as they exist right now with Screw the Critics... Mm-hmm. Uh, it got a lot harder to hold up Skullcrack. Yes. Um, Because they're all mostly all in on the one-drop burn spells, and they want to, you know, throw them all at your face on their turn. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like, you know, trigger my spectacle, hit you with Skewer, and then this other one-drop spell. Yeah. You know, uh, we're no longer are in the days of, you know, hold-ups Boros Charm and Skullcrack. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, I think, makes a deck like dredge that has sorcery speed life gain a much harder bigger problem for these burn decks yeah yeah definitely and the fact that dredge just like does it can do it like multiple turns in a row is just a a big problem yeah Uh it's yeah it's not like playing against tron where you're like okay turn three onward i have to start worrying about a drag tusk. Mm-hmm. No, it's just like, oh, whoopsie, uh, a <laughs> creeping chill, and you're like, oh, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't <Yeah>. ready. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And combine that with, you know, they might on turn one have like chump blockers that they have no problem throwing in front of your your uh, persistent sources of damage. Yeah. And yeah. But in general, dredge is just in a very good place right now, uh, and that's why. It crushed so hard yeah uh in that tournament you know dredge is very beatable once you w- once people want to beat dredge they will and like rest in peace seems like an insane card right now so yeah. I-, I would encourage anybody who leans towards rest in peace decks to or Tormund's Crypt. script Crypt and is fine people discover why i'm excited about that in a little bit <laughs> well why <laughs> uh all right We'll we'll do this for one more minute and then okay. we'll go into why yeah, I'm yeah, excited okay, about that. All right. Noble Hierarch decks have not been doing very well lately. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons why the Arclight Phoenix decks can afford to run main deck surgical extractions. Yeah. Because they scared them all away with their gut shots mm-hmm. and then the, the Noble Time to Hierarchs. switch are... gears a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Modern Challenge had some slightly different results. A lot of death Shadow stuff going on. Yeah. As yeah. well. death Shadow has arisen to the top in many contexts mm-hmm. of um death Shadows, is pretty significantly back in a tier one way in my mind yeah and not just grixis uh, it's mostly the same player who has kind of done well in several different tournaments but uh he won the challenge and did well in the ptq and shows up this is uh la Lauba yeah with basically old school Death Shadow Zoo, kind of. No, uh, yeah, I mean he's bringing back the old school Become Immense Teamer Battle Rage combo. Yeah, with uh, uh, four Teamer Battle Rage, yeah. four Battle Rage, three Become Immense, and he's got Swift Spears and Wild Nacoddles, uh in his deck as well. So this is like a Suicide Zoo. Yeah. Just old school Suicide Zoo. The last time I played this deck, it had Gitaxine Probe in it. <laughs> <Yes>. um, so, <laughs> but it's the same. It's just the same deck. <laughs> you know, I think that the Gitaxine Probes are now thought seasons from what I can tell. Yeah. Even down to the two lightning bolts. I think that I've just like played this deck, which is hilarious. <laughs> did it me. have Mishra's Bauble when you were playing it? Because that's... No, it didn't. That's a thing that has like... It it, did not. In this deck, it pumps... Swift Spear and Tarmogoyf is basically all that it does, which is fine, I guess. Feeds become immense. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, my old evaluation of this deck was always like, this seems like a worse infect, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's an an infect that doesn't lose to Gutshot and Thing in the Ice, so that's kind of... Definitely bonuses there. That's a big... Right now, that's a big, big plus. And the biggest benefits that I got out of playing this deck was that I played it at a at a time where people really didn't know that I was going for the Becumber Mint's team and Battle Rage stuff. Mm-hmm. So they looked at my three mana, and I'm attacking them for four, and they're like, this is fine. And then it became 20. <laughs> 20. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So that kind of gotcha element was the biggest draw to that deck for me. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, everybody at the time were focused on other things going on in Modern. But I think that this player in particular might be getting a lot of equity from... Oh, you forgot about become a men's or battle rage, huh? Because right. <laughs> you can definitely look like Jund Death Shadow. Sure, yeah, depending on your draw. Right. I guess wild nacodle mm-hmm. kind of yeah. like it gives it away, but yeah, yeah, definitely. I- I'm sure that at some point, mm-hmm. become a men's Team or battle rage completely took opponents yeah. by surprise. And like, even if the curve is like wild nacodle in into Tarmogoyf, you know, I I'm sure there are plenty of modern players who are are not going to associate that with. Become a Mensen Team Rowler. Yeah, so. that's definitely true. I, um, I probably would get got by it once before. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. N- Now that we've talked about it, hopefully not. <laughs> um, yeah, but it is cool. I'm, I'm excited to see that back for sure. Yeah. So I was just thinking so now let's. segue into your thing after talking about options going forward so yeah great so because because i think your thing is going to be an option going forward (laughs) it qualifies i I hope so so we've just got some basic stuff i think amulet seems very good to beat up on graveyard decks decks. Mm -hmm. um it it is great at that because of how many Bajuka bogs you can you you're 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 kind of playing a million bajuka bogs yeah um tron can do a similar thing you just run all the relics of progenitus Um, The War deck is good against Dredge and Phoenix. Uh, You can get run over by the Burn decks. Boggles could be okay, but I don't actually want to play Boggles in a tournament because that doesn't sound very fun to me. Yeah. Um, But you have a deck that does sound very fun to me. Okay, so we were talking about Electrodominance. Yes. And I decided to look into it, Mm -hmm. um, as I promised I would. Uh And I found a deck list that I looked at and just uh, as uh, probably five minutes after looking at it for the first time, I was I was playing it in a match. On, on <laughs> yeah. uh, so thank you, mana traders. But <laughs> um, so I looked up some electro decks that had posted results, and I stumbled across an Ar- arsenal munch build. Is it a five zero list or? It was a five zero list. Okay, um, just you know. Uh, regular old part of the 5-0 dumps. Mm-hmm. Um, Arsenal Munch, for those who don't know, is John McLaren. So, you know, definitely a, a name that I recognize and respect. Yep. And let's just, let, let me pull up the list and go through it for, for everybody. Because I'm going to, this is a new archetype. Um, or not, I mean, you know. It is. I mean, yeah, it really it's a new is. Archetype. It, it doesn't function the way that decks like this yeah. have functioned uh so i'm not going to be able to say burn and everybody knows what i'm talking about immediately so i'm really going to break this deck down into uh kind of what's going on here yeah the core of the deck is uh so we've got electro for electro dominance and for as foretold, mm-hmm. Um and those are trying to cast for restore balance or for ancestral visions mm-hmm. so those are our zeros Restore Balance can only ever be cast through one of those cards. Yep. Uh, but Ancestral Visions, you can just suspend on turn one. Sure. It's great. And then every once in a while, you kind of have this, like, value Electrodominance for three cards. Or if you have your were told out, you just have three cards. Mm-hmm. It's great. And then, you know, to kind of uh, assemble that combo, we have the full 12 Cantrips. So four Ops, four Serum Visions, four Sleight of Hands. Yep. And then the other piece of this, which really makes it all work together <laughs> with um, Restore Balance, is four Greater Gargadons. I mean, this, this, the existence of four Greater Gargadons in this deck is what sells me on it, yeah. for sure. And and the way that this deck plays out feels a lot like Legacy Sneak and Show, where, huh. yeah, because you're resolving this combo that just ends the game. Yeah, If you have a Greater Gargadon out and you have As foretold out, your restore balance will end the game uh, because you can sacrifice all, all of your lands mm-hmm. and cast your restore balance and they have no creatures and no lands. And then, you know, in the next turn or two, you're going to have a nine seven. Yep. And additionally to that, you have your as we're told out. Yep. So you, so can you draw can, more spells. You just get to cast all of your spells <laughs> and you don't really care about having no lands for sure. Um. So the number of times that I put various different modern decks in the spot of, okay, you have no lands and uh, no creatures and I have a 9-7. Modern is just not equipped to be able to beat that. You know, modern, you have to pay mana for your spells. (laughs) Um, And then also, the other thing that I found happening a lot was that sometimes you can just like throw things on suspend and then cast a value restore balance with an electro dominance Mm -hmm. uh, to just like really get a lot of cards out of your opponent's hand. There were several times where I just like you know, put myself down to very few resources, but my opponent as well, like on turn two or whatever. Gotcha. So you, yeah, you um, just use it as like a mind twist, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there were there were a ton of different ways that this wow uh, this deck could combo together to just really eliminate any potential for your opponent winning the game. I yeah, I'm wondering if this doesn't also want to be a faithless looting deck. It could be. I, I just don't know. You know, if since raw cards. Don't matter if mm-hmm. you're resolving restore balance. It at really some point. didn't feel like they did. As yeah. Much. yeah. Um, so the other. So I've talked about the core of the deck. And then the deck has some like funky one ofs and two ofs. <laughs> uh, the rest of the deck is. Uh, there's one Jace the Mind Sculptor, uh, one Tormod Script, <laughs> one Blood Moon, two Remans, and two Lightning Bolts. Yeah. I like the Remans a lot. Yeah, I like the Remans a lot as well. And I figured that the next time I played this through League, I would consider. Cutting Jace and the lightning bolts mm-hmm. for two Marie Mans and another Blood Moon. That makes sense. Um, I really like the Tormod's Crypt because the deck plays four Teleria Wests gotcha. as additional copies of Restore Balance. That makes sense. Um, so, the, oh, the fact that it only has four Restore Balance is a little misleading. And I, when I first looked through this list, I was like, the, "We're reading, leading really hard on these cantrips." But the the addition of just like having four Teleria Wests in the deck mm-hmm. really does turn it into. Uh, high consistency. Yeah. Um. I wonder what redundancy we could find for Greater Gargadon here. I looked. Okay. There is n- no card to like Greater nothing. Gargadon. <laughs> yeah. The only other card that's like Greater Gargadon, where you can just sack out all of your lands at once, mm-hmm. is a creature. And I don't want my opponent to have a creature when my Restore Balance no, resolves. No. No. There's like this one mana Goblin that's a one one that get like you can sack a land and it gets plus something plus something. Oh yeah yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, what we really need is what we really need is Zurn Orb, just zero mana artifact, sacrifice oh, a land yeah. two life. That would be broken. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would be so perfect for this deck, but I don't believe that's legal in <laughs> modern. Yeah, um, it is very much not legal in modern. Yeah, it is. Yeah, classic. Classic card, though. <laughs> yeah, Zeranorb. Yeah, so but Greater, Gar- Greater Gargadon uh, really does fit well as, you know, it's kind of like the one card that you're always digging for. And you'll yeah. find your other pieces generally. But you're always, like, all of my cantrips are always like, all right, Greater Gargadon, right. please please come and, here. And fortunately, Greater Gargadon is super resistant to any kind of disruption. Like, it doesn't yep. get thoughts teased because you can put it, you can suspend it immediately when you draw it, rega- yep. like on turn one if that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just out there in exile forever. Right. It it, it doesn't get countered when you suspend it. So, yeah, yeah, it just sits there and does its job. So, as long as people aren't going to be playing any of that weird Eldrazi mechanic, then I think that will be good. Yeah, I mean, this deck is probably not great against Esper Eldrazi. (laughs) Yeah, Esper Eldrazi. uh, Eldrazi processors. But only Elliot Dara has to play against that deck. So, fortunately, I don't think we really need to worry about it. Yeah. But th- so kind of the biggest reason why I was so uh, in love with this deck initially is that it's a new archetype. Mm-hmm. None of my opponents knew what I was up to. Um, and then they all like, you know, whenever I put a restore balance on the stack and sacked all my lands, they all paused for a while <laughs> and then conceded. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a new archetype, which is really cool um, because we don't we don't get that very often right. these days. Definitely. And it was clearly very powerful. I played it in my first league, mm-hmm. and we know what that means. I like, easily <laughs> 5 0 <five-0'd>. every <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, now my list is posted, so that's pretty good. But it, I just it's just the exact same 75 as uh, Arsenal munches from his earlier 5-0. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the deck t- looked really cool. I think that there is definitely some tuning elements that need to happen. The For numbers sure. of two Lightning Bolt, 2 reman feel strange to me. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that Lightning Bolt is good at all in Modern right now. Yeah, I think we can... Well, online, for sure, right now, mm-hmm. you can make a call that you're not playing against Noble Hierarch decks, or at least have your Noble Hierarch solutions in the sideboard of your deck is perfectly fine. Yeah. Maybe different in Paper Magic, depending on what you're playing And Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. But yeah, I, and I was super impressed. Just the, the combination of, as we're told, Greater Gargadon, Restore Balance. Yeah. It wins. It yeah. just wins. That just wins the game. Yeah. Um. And I thought that like maybe there would be some times when it wouldn't win, but it, it just wins. Yeah. Um, The the only possible answer to that is a counterspell. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you just, like, have a... You, like, float some mana, sack all your lands, and have your remand available Mm -hmm. um, when you cast it. Yep. Uh, You know, and then you put their spell back in their hand, and they don't have any lands. Right, because you don't have to spend any mana on your combo that turn. (laughs) Right. On your combo turn, you spend zero mana executing, so you can spend all of your mana on protection for it. Yeah, and the the, kind of the harder things to resolve are... People understand that resolving the as we're told is it yes but that's why it feels so much like sneaky show where you have this you know two and a blue Mm -hmm. spell that you cast and resolve and if you do you typically win yep so that's all pretty crazy i wonder if there i know we've got a couple of flex slots and this would take more than that but I wonder if there's a world where you want to be running a couple of simian spirit guides, and then you have your, you're like an Asvertold Blood Moon deck, and mm-hmm. you just resolve one of those, and you likely win the game. I could see it, yeah. Because the Blood Moon, the one of Blood Moon right now feels like, John McLaren was probably just trying it out. Mm-hmm. A lot of these numbers feel like, oh, you know, we'll throw Jason in there. Let's yeah. throw some Bolts in there. I mean, Let's throw a brand, some Remans in brand there. Brand new deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's throw a Blood Moon in there. Um, <laughs> you know, and all those seem pretty reasonable. And, you know, there's like two additional Blood Moons at the sideboard and stuff. Sure. There's a Cryptic Command in the sideboard. That was a big question mark for me. Right. It was like fine one time I drew it and it was like good. It, but it was you know it, honestly it would have been better as a, another dispel. That, this, that's literally <laughs> what I was thinking. Right. right yeah. Now, is, don't we just want as many dispels as we can bring in? Yeah. 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 No, the dispels are phenomenal post board. Yeah. Um, because you know it's like the fluster storm of of uh the deck. It's just you know counter your counter spell. Not really much you're gonna be able to say about this. Typically. I mean, in modern, when you aim a counterspell at a counterspell, that's that's the end of the stack usually, right? Like, yeah. there, with no free counterspells, there's not really such a thing as a, a counter war in, yeah. in modern, right? So, dispel really, really shines, and I and I, I boarded in the two dispels against all the blue decks that I played, and they were phenomenal. Yeah, um, I I was just able to go turn four. As we're told with the blue up, they countered it. I countered back, and the game ended. Yeah. It was just over. <laughs> you know? it's was like, wait a minute. I thought... <laughs> do we still we're... have magic to play? <laughs> yeah. Nope. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was pretty crazy. And a very low amount of enchantment hate right now mm. in Modern is what I found. Because I didn't run against any in my league, and then I was kind of curious, and I like went through and looked at what people are packing for, art, for enchantment hate, and this just... Yeah, not a lot of nature's claims, a lot more upgrades yeah. and ancient grudges. Right. So that was all pretty cool. I, I have to imagine when you do get your as for told Nature's Claimed though, it it just feels like your opponent is cheating. Like, how how could this <laughs> yeah. happen to me? How dare you? Yeah. It's like somebody has like a containment priest or something. <laughs> You're like, What no <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean so I've been playing I'm I'm not gonna lie, I've been playing I've only played one league with this deck, <laughs> period. Uh, I've been playing a majority Legacy to prepare for, um, Syracuse that's gonna be in a couple weeks. Makes sense. But I was able to sneak away to do this. Had a phenomenal time. Can't wait to go back. I'm, there's, I'm playing in an IQ this weekend. I'm gonna do my best to find the cards for this. See, and this, this is the thing. This is the one problem with the deck, is how are we going to scrounge up two paper copies of this deck (laughs) this weekend? (laughs) I'm sure we did. (laughs) You know, all these are just, like, blue-red modern cards, mostly. They are. uh, But we have... you know, we, we share a source for blue red cards. So. True, true. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean I, I think between between Tucker and Lee and a couple other people, we should probably be mm-hmm. able to, to put this thing put this thing together. Yeah, twice. <laughs> right. I hope so. I would love for both of us. To play I it. I really want to play this if I can. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, so I, I really don't want to. Because my my original plan was to go ahead and run back Dredge this weekend because I think mm-hmm. it's still gonna be fine. I really don't want to play you. In top eight, I would love to play against <laughs> yes. I have a Tormod's Crypt in the main and four Taleria Wests. It's, it's really nice. Also, your combo just also beats me. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Turns out uh, Dredge needs its lands top rate yes. pretty well, you know. And if I'm at like three, maybe you can get I can me. get there. Right. But yeah, like <laughs> Restore Balance kills Dredge dead just as bad as everybody else. So yeah, yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah, so I, I love this deck. I'm super excited about it. I, you know, uh, I haven't been this excited about a Bonner deck in a minute. And it just fits exactly my play style. I love Sneak and Show com- style combo decks. Just, like, beat this. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I, um, I'm totally in here. So I, like, very badly want to cut the Jace the Mind Sculptor from this main deck. <laughs> same, same. Okay. It felt it, The Jace felt really out of place and... I think they just belong in the sideboard. Sure. Uh, I think Jace is phenomenal in this style of deck in post-board games. Yeah. I've I've always have... loved having two Jaces in the sideboard of my sneak and show decks. Mm-hmm. Just because the game's post-board go long, mm-hmm. and you just want an extra threat that you cast, and they're like, shit, do I counter this? Yeah. Because if I do, I'm, like, out a force of will, you know, and then I'm going to die to their combo. Or if I let it resolve, I'm going to die dead. to the Jace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you <know? laughs> But uh, but yeah, game game ones. I'm I'm less excited about it. Yeah, for sure. But the remands I really liked. Um, it felt like just like another good tempo oriented cantrip. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, where I'm just like super happy to be yeah. like, all right, and you don't do that, and I draw a card. I think remand is excellent in this kind of um, deck. Yep. And uh, so yeah, I I'm super excited to start really tinkering with all these numbers and figuring out where to go with it, but um just the core shell of gargadon uh electrodominance uh, as we're told and restore balance yeah for sure phenomenal cool i'm i'm psyched definitely all right, so for our Patreon question of the week, Panama Kid asks, Do you think competitive magic should be top-heavy as far as prizes go, so large success is rewarded? Or should we try to include as many as possible to encourage showing up to tournaments at all? The former can't sustain a lot of professional players, but the latter can't p- properly sustain any, it seems. Note that most people living off magic are not tournament players at all. So, you know, talking about the fact that Pro players, especially under the old system, had to supplement their income with articles and stuff. And that yep. was really the, the primary means was content creation. Yeah. And yeah. it probably will be going forward as well. Yeah, for sure. One of the parts of this question that I kind of want to focus on is um, incentives to go to tournaments. Yep. And a lot of people are hurting right now because they feel like a lot of the incentives that they had to go to these tournaments are gone. Because they wanted to go to these tournaments for the dream of making it big, mm-hmm. right? You know, the dream of, like, spiking that tournament and doing really well, uh, you know, kind of, like, having that, like, possibility was, like, a really big call for a lot of people to really hit the grind and stuff. Yeah. And I I don't think that's a bad thing to exist. And I think it was pretty cool and definitely why I got into Magic as competitively as I did. But I, I want to point out that I feel like we can do better as a community to bring back the culture of enjoying playing magic to play magic. Mm -hmm. It feels like so much these days, everybody's focus in terms of going to tournaments and playing magic is to win. Mm -hmm. And that's great. You know, it's a competitive game. It draws in competitive people who want to win. And there's nothing really wrong with that. But it, it feels like lately we have used that as the defining reason why we play this game. Hmm. And I think that if everybody soul searches for a little bit, they're going to realize that that's not really the defining reason that we play this game. We play this game because it's great. Magic the Gathering, I tell people and I will stand by this, is the greatest game created of all time. And it feels like, especially lately with all of the drama surrounding all of the stuff that's going on, people have kind of lost sight of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, And it's kind of created this toxic environment where everybody's so focused on, you know... The the tournaments, the winnings, the being able to live off of it, that people have kind of forgotten the reasons why they got it in this game in the first place, mm. which is that, you know, I love playing Magic the Gathering. Uh, and if we lose that completely and it is then replaced with I play Magic because I want to do well in a tournament mm-hmm. in our minds, it's it would be so much worse, right? Yeah, there's there's a reason that we're playing this game and not playing poker, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you want notoriety or um, money or money, you know, Matt, you're in the wrong sphere, right? Yeah. Um. So in terms of so the question is like, you know, uh, should should Magic competitive Magic be so top heavy as it is right now? And I think this question um, is really inspired by that gap between the 32 and the MPL of and everyone else. Right. 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 Um. You know, I think that it's cool that that dream exists, Mm -hmm. but I'm personally actually just fine with that being a harder to reach goal, but more Mm -hmm. uh, rewarding. Yeah, Uh, because I think that right now it's tough for us, right, because the, the mentality is so entrenched right now in. Uh, you know, wanting to win, wanting to qualify for the Pro Tour. Mm -hmm. It was everybody's dream to be able to get on the Pro Tour. It was accessible for a lot of people. You know, people grinded and got there, um, and that was a really huge thing for them. You know, even if you've only ever played in one Pro Tour, it was like an accomplishment uh, and stuff. But if if we want to really have longevity in this game, I think that the shift away from that being the sole focus Mm -hmm. of why we play in tournaments and trying to shift back even just a little bit more towards being able to enjoy the game and wanting to go to these tournaments to be able to enjoy the game. Yeah. And not not completely destroying ourselves mentally when we're doing badly in a tournament. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's, it's always the same. You know, I'm always at these tournaments where uh, I've complained ad nauseum about how everybody's first question to me is always, what's your, what's record? your record? And, you know, and that's always felt kind of toxic because I I've, I've felt like... If I ever answer, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out of contention. I'm just kind of playing now. Then I would be disregarded in some context, or they would just like not really want to uh, catch up with me anymore at the tournament sites or whatever. <laughs> this is all atmosphere that is created by everybody's perspective of why you go to tournaments. You go to tournaments to win the tournament, and that you know. And the, the old PTQ system that we're now bringing back is, is, facilitates that. Mm-hmm. The, the winner-takes-all thing that made everybody else feel bad. This is why I want points. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's important to have something to strive for and have some, you know, uh, have some getting something tangible back out of what we put into these tournaments is definitely a good thing. Yeah. But it has, in my mind, become pretty consuming, of all of our perspectives on, you know, what we enjoy out of going to these tournaments about. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, that kind of like cultural shift is something that is it's so entrenched in all of us that it's not gonna it's definitely not gonna happen overnight. But I think that potentially making things a little more top heavy uh and less attainable, but more rewarding could potentially bring back just a bigger field of people who play magic because they enjoy the game. Yeah. I don't want to lose that. And that's, you know, that's a pretty extreme argument and, you know, and I I, I don't want to say that, you know, I I still definitely feel all of those feels very big. <laughs> you know, I want to win the tournaments. So I want that, you know, I yeah. want all those things, but I think that we're all pretty consumed by that right now, and it might be good to uh, you know, move a little bit more towards More incentives to go to tournaments that are a little more fulfilling in other ways. Mm -hmm. Right, and we've definitely brought this up before, how you have to have some of your payoff for going to the tournament be in the social aspects and in the getting practice aspects. Because those are things that are guaranteed to happen, and you really are not guaranteed any result, no matter how prepared you are or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having these payoffs that just are very likely to occur yeah. really helps balance out the variance inherent. In of course. Yeah. Um I do. I, I like tournaments with some amount of like pretty kind of top heavy prizes. Uh, I, I, I like feeling like my performance, like, like putting that kind of like pressure on the games makes the games feel mm-hmm. really relevant. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff. Like, you know, I can sit down with my friends and I can win a bunch of testing games or brawl games or something yeah. like that, and it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but go to a tournament and you, like... You have to perform. Yeah. It's a big difference. And that's... Yeah. Like, the reason that's that that's something that I care about is because that makes those games fun to me. Yeah. Like yeah, it yeah. makes it feel good when, and, and, and yeah, it, it can feel bad when you lose for sure. Right. But I mean, I, I like having something on the line is really cool. And I do think that it is really important to have that thing to strive for that high level goal. The, yeah. the existence of the MPL is good because you can look at it and you can say like, that is worth trying to get to. Right. Um. And the exist that that's important to have. Yeah. And we are, we are lacking a lot of elements of that right now. We don't know how to get there. Right. And the people who are there, you know, in many ways earned it because they were at the top of the standings, but also in some ways stumbled into it because, you know, they didn't know that was going to be the reward. Yeah. And boy, um, those like lower point total platinum pros who didn't quite right. make the MPL. I I feel really bad for them. Yeah. But yeah, and i you know I don't I don't think that this shift should be so extreme to pull us all the way into the other direction because right. then we'd all be casuals who don't care anymore, and that that's you know we don't we don't want yeah. that. We're not casuals who don't care. No, we no, no. we care. We we need to find some sort of balance because we need to make sure that we don't go over the edge in the other direction. Right. And I feel like many of us are over the edge in the other direction, um, and that's you know we need to help rein ourselves in it sometimes. Yeah. So. And and you know we are focused on the SCG tour and not to be like calling anybody out in particular, but I think that there is a certain culture within the like grinding family of the SCG tour yeah. that really emphasizes that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I think it can get pretty unhealthy at mm-hmm. times, and I think some people have have suffered for it. Um, yeah, and. It, I don't know what's the way to, like, help people escape from that mentality or what. or mm-hmm. um, And, you know, not entirely escape from that no. mentality. But It's good to um, be competitive. It's good to want to win. Right. And, and you're totally right in the sense that that desire and that drive is part of what makes this game so great. Mm-hmm. Because you get to go to tournaments where you get to perform. Yeah. And, and being able to be in a performance setting is something that is pretty unique to a lot of people's lives. You know what I mean? So Uh, yeah, like you do high school sports and then you graduate from high school and you like never do a, like never do a thing where you need to be at your peak. Right. Like we get to keep doing that. That's cool. Right. And that's, I think that's why so many people stay and, and continue to really, you know, it it fulfills of magic fulfills so many fundamental human needs Mm -hmm. that we don't really consider. Yeah. Um, that, is you know so important and and the performance element i think is one of the big ones that we don't really um consider too often i agree so yeah but yeah just you know a little thoughts on um uh just kind of inspired by talking about why we would want to go to tournaments sure. um and because you know all of those reward systems are changing drastically in front of us so frequently these days that it's you know and you it's know what? hard to keep up with it at the end of the day i don't think the exact system that's in place matters very much to either of us yeah there's ways that they could put it into play that I would like more or yeah. less yeah. but I'm going to keep going to these tournaments yeah absolutely so yeah. yeah cool well that's it for us today yeah so thanks so much to everybody for listening if you want to find us you can find our website at mtggrindcast.com find links to our patreon there we would really love your support be super helpful to us Um, You can also find links to Collins' coaching services. Yep. Uh, One-on-one, hang out, get some advice. uh, If you're trying to hit hit Mythic in Arena, whatever you're trying to do. I can help. Gotcha. Um, You can also find us on Twitter. I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. Collins is also on Twitter. At Collins Mullen. Have a great week. Stay Mythic. I don't really know how to (laughs) tie that in. (laughs) (laughs) Later. Peace. Peace.